What is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. This is episode 52, and we have a lot of news to get through because I am late with the Hockey Cast this week. Kind of wanted to let a little bit of the, I don't know, more of the announcements get solidified. There were some coaches that weren't necessarily hired yet, so I was waiting for all that to come out, so, and of course, we got the Stanley Cup playoffs, the final start tonight, holy shit, Florida Panthers versus the Vegas Golden Knights, we're gonna have a first-time Stanley Cup champion this year, that is going to be fucking awesome, we got a bunch of hiring to go through, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a new general manager, as does the Pittsburgh Penguins, well, I guess a president, but there's a lot of news to get through, so... Let's dive into this. So I want to start out with a congratulations to the Steve Dangle podcast on 10 years of that podcast. I mean, the years have flown by. I feel like I've been listening to, I don't think I've been listening to them for 10 years, but maybe. I mean, I've been listening to the Steve Dangle podcast for a very long time. And just an incredible job by Adam Wilde, Jesse Blake, and of course, Steve Dangle, but... I feel Steve gets the most praise on the show, but I think Adam Wilde is a a little treasure. I love that man so much. He's so sweet, so cute, so innocent, but... And, and he could take a joke like a champion. And, of course, Jesse Blake, so cool, so handsome. And uh, here's to another 10 years to the Steve Dangle podcast, and I will continue to be listening, of course. So we got that. So, jeez, I don't even know where we... we let's just let's dive into the leaf shit, y'all. So, new general manager... Uh, Brad Treliving hired as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, kind of a mixed pool, kind of a mixed temperature on the on the fan base of the Toronto Maple Leafs on how they feel about hiring Brad Treliving. I mean, honestly, I felt like I didn't really feel any of the other candidates that they were talking about were going to get hired. Um, mostly just because of the direction that they said they wanted to go with. They wanted a guy with experience. And a guy that's been in the Canadian market, you got Brad Treliving right there, and he seemed to fit the bill. They talked to, I mean, he was the only one that they said came in for a personal interview. I believe they had a a Zoom call with rather, I think it was Bergevin, might have been Shirelli. Regardless, both of those are just, I think they just did that to make people talk. I really don't know what they were thinking with those ones, but... uh, Regardless, Brad Treliving is the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and how do I feel about it? I mean, I'm fine with it, honestly. I I feel like it's going to be a mistake getting rid of Dubis. I feel like they probably just should have kept him in there. I know the whole... Oh, it's just... The whole thing is a little bit of a mess. A lot of people feel like, oh, Brendan Shanahan had a bad day, and he decided, I'm going to fire Kyle Dubis, and uh, kind of a conspiracy that... Dubas was fired to kind of save Brendan Shanahan's job, but inevitably, I mean, unless the dude wins the Stanley Cup in the next couple years, I mean, Brendan Shanahan's more than likely going to be the next brass or higher-up guy to get fired because at this point he shot his shot now, so he got rid of Dubas, and um, now pretty much everything is on him, and it seems like the the charade, the the curtain has been pulled back now with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's more clear, I feel like, than it has been over the last little while, even though I feel like it's been fairly obvious that Brendan Shanahan's kind of been pulling the strings behind the scenes, or, like, he's pulling the strings on Dubas, but his strings are getting pulled by the higher-up management of the Leafs organization, so who knows who's in charge? This is kind of how management goes. You got 
there's so many titles, right? And so many layers and tiers to the top. So with the Leafs organization, who knows how many fucking people they have to get through before they can get, you know, we all know that Dubas wasn't a hundred percent in charge. Now, where does that percentage lie? Was he 60% in charge? 50%, 20%? I don't really know, but pretty clear to me that Kyle Dubas wasn't allowed to do what he wanted. And I mean, with there's, I mean, it's such an area, right? There's some GMs that definitely could, that need that, I don't know, a safety net, basically. Like, a whole bunch of people be like, hey, man, don't do that. That is really, really stupid. Like, trading Taylor Hall for Adam Larson straight up. I mean, stuff like that, right? So, but I feel like Dubas, a lot of the moves that he wanted to make, the big one that people like to bring up was last year, they wanted to get Brandon Hagel, but... Dubas was all in on him. He wanted him, but it was shut down by Shanahan and the higher-ups. So, And then you go on to see what Brandon Hagel has done for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Been a very effective player. A player that the Leafs would have really enjoyed to get. And this season, apparently they wanted to get um, not only Nolachari and Ryan O'Reilly, but they also wanted to bring in Barbashev. And Barbashev right now is tearing it up for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's going to the Stanley Cup Finals. So... I mean, it's not to say that if Dubas got those pieces, the Toronto Maple Leafs would be winning a Stanley Cup, but you just look at what those players that the Leafs wanted to get and what they ended up doing with the other teams that they ended up going to. It's like, yeah, I mean, the Leafs would have been a little bit better if they got a Brandon Hagel or a Barbashev, right? So, I mean, I can't blame Dubas, man. He's now off to the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but Brad Treliving, man, I know... um, he, he's a little bit hot and cold. I feel like most GMs are. Like, no GM is perfect, got a perfect track record of flawless trades, flawless drafting. No. But Brad Living, like most GMs, have made some good trades, made some good draft moves, but has also made some mistakes along the way. So, I mean, he's already come out to say, I didn't listen to any of the, the press conference stuff because it's all kind of copy and paste. Your general... Stuff that a GM is supposed to say at the beginning. But he has made it very clear that he wants to get Austin Matthews signed. I mean, of course, that is definitely priority one, I would imagine. So that's basically all he's really talked about. He's talked about uh, speaking with Austin Matthews. He's got a good relationship with his agent and so on and so forth. So again, with the Austin Matthews contract, I feel pretty good about it. I don't think it's going to be an issue. And if it's going to be an issue, then, I mean, you got... A guy that last season he had to trade away Matthew Kachuk. And on paper, when that trade went down, Flames fans were pretty happy. I'm a Flames fan. I was pretty happy about it, you know, uh, considering the terrible situation that the Flames were in last summer and how quickly that got turned around. Now, the results of the season didn't necessarily go as planned. And now Matty Kachuk is in the Stanley Cup Finals. But you have to give him props for pulling off that move. He got what he can get for it. And people will argue, oh, you should have just left Matthew Kachuk be and just let him walk. But, you know, people could say that. But if it actually went down and Calgary Flames let him walk and they don't have a Huberto, they don't have Uyghur, then, like, geez, man, like, what kind of position would the Flames be in right now? I feel like... A lot of their struggles for the Flames last season came down to Daryl Sutter and the relationship between he and the players. There was definitely a disconnect right there, so I'm expecting a bounce back for the Flames here next season. But I feel like Brad Living did a good job with Calgary. He made some pretty nice drafts. He had some good drafting. He got 
Rasmus Anderson in the second round. Mangiapane, I think, was fourth or fifth round. Uh, he's done okay drafting. Now, trade-wise, we talked about the Kachuk trade, losing Goudreau. So he's definitely dealt with some stressful waters here. He's going to be coming into an even stress, more stressful Canadian market in Toronto. But, you know, most GMs, everyone's been saying this is a dream job for pretty much any general manager in the league. And... I mean, considering the candidates that were out there, I'm fine with Brad Treliving. I don't think, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think he's like, I just don't think he's going to ruin it. I'm fine with it. He's, again, I, I can't put too much into it because, like, I just don't think that Treliving is going to have full autonomy with the team. So I feel like a lot of it is going on Brendan Shanahan right now. So if I was Brad Treliving, I, I would feel a little bit you know, kind of good right now, because even if you fuck up, I feel like more of the fans are going to be on Shanahan rather than Treliving at this point. So I wish Treliving good luck. I uh, It's going to be an interesting offseason for sure. Is this guy going to try and move one of the core four? I don't know, man. It seems like every day there's the 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 opinions seem to change at one point people were like oh yeah like there's been rumblings around there that Marner's been getting talked about now I have no concrete evidence of that that's just fucking Google stuff coming out so I don't take any of that as truth until the day it happens Marner gets traded okay I was talking about it with a friend the other day about which of the core four I think would go so I, I feel like most people are pretty consistent on feeling that. Matthews ain't going anywhere, and John Tavares can't go anywhere, and I don't think he should go anywhere. I, I still am baffled at how mean people are to John Tavares. He's so good. But uh, obviously, the contract, it's very expensive. I think he's a great player. It's almost over, so I'm a little bit curious, uh, wondering what's going to happen with John Tavares at the end of this contract. He's going to be 34, and if he's still putting up, like, point a game like what's gonna happen with John Tavares we're gonna be able to get this guy for a discount is he gonna walk and maybe go back to the Islanders who knows but it's going to be interesting for sure to see what Tre Living's going to do we got the upcoming draft big off season with a big old playoff disappointment so we'll see and as far as I know they're saying that Sheldon Keefe is like 90-95% safe so I mean so you're telling me there's a chance and I mean Honestly, I'm fine with Sheldon Keefe. I know I, there's definitely room for improvement there for coaching, uh, no doubt. Uh, I just I like Sheldon Keefe. I like the message that he has. Should he be the head coach of an NHL team right now? I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, if Treliving's fine with him and he doesn't have a guy necessarily set in stone that he would like to bring in, I guess we got to wait. But there are still a couple of candidates out there. I mean, not too many, but uh, let's. with that being said, let's, let's go on and talk about some of the big coaching hires that went down this week. So let me let me guys, let me know what you guys think about Brad Treliving getting hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs and kind of their... It seemed like they were pretty set on that guy. It didn't look like the the net went out too far. They weren't talking to too many people. I think Brad Treliving was their guy. That I mean, it it he checked a lot of the boxes, so I, I'm okay with it. But I'd like to hear about what you guys think about Dre- Brad Treliving becoming the new general manager. And does that mean we're going to get like a lot of Boston pizza stuff going on because his dad is like the owner of Boston Pizza or some shit? Rich man, very rich man. So, let's talk about some of the coaches that got hired over the last week. So, we'll start with Nashville. They end up firing John Hines, and they hire Andrew Burnett. So, Andrew Burnett was the coach that I really wanted Calgary to hire because of his... It looked like really good connection between he and Huberdeau and the Florida Panthers last season. So, 
that's off the table right now for the Flames. So I'm a little disappointed, but I think I'm happy that Andrew Burnett is getting another chance here. I was a little bit surprised that uh, no one really hired him right away. I thought he did a great job taking over for Quenville last year with the Florida Panthers. I mean, he won the President's Trophy. You know, I thought he did a good job. So I'm, I'm happy to see that he got hired by Nashville. Now, there's a little bit of heat on Nashville and Barry Trotz because of the kind of shady firing of John Hines. I mean, it's a business, man. That's just kind of how this shit goes down. I mean, people were kind of like, oh, you would think that Barry Trotz, being a former NHL coach for so long, would have a little bit more, I don't know, politeness to firing a, a fellow coach. I don't know. Again, it's business. Business is brutal. It's ruthless. It's cutthroat. So, I mean, I feel pretty confident that John Hines is going to find another location. Honestly, I'm not the biggest John Hines fan. I thought he did a pretty okay job. Like, I'm not going to say he did really good with Nashville, but I thought he did decent considering all the injuries that the team had. But I don't know. I, I would put it more on UC Soros than than any like really good coaching that brought the most out of Nashville. I think they overperformed or over, overachieved a little bit this season, and I think a lot of that comes down to UC Soros. But Andrew Burnett, I think he would. I don't know, man. Like Nashville has been always kind of been known as that defensive team, and Andrew Burnett, I'm I'm thinking that he's going to bring in a little bit more offense for the team. So we'll see how that goes down for Nashville. They got some guys that can put up some points, you know, Yossi, Forsberg, others. But we'll see how it goes down. Uh, congratulations to Burnett. I'm just happy that someone hired him. Like, what the hell was taking so long? Now, this one also a little bit related to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Washington Capitals hire former Leafs assistant coach Spencer Carberry. A lot of interest around this guy. Apparently, we had um, quite a few teams uh, hovering around this man in Washington. Said, "Fuck this shit." We're giving him the four years. We're giving him what he wants, and they get the guy that they want. So, I don't. I'm not. I'm, we don't really have a whole lot of a track record. He's been the assistant coach. I I feel like he's been good. I generally would always can uh, mix him and Manny Malhotra up on the bench because they're both bald. It is what it is. But congratulations to him. I always I'm always down to see a new guy get a chance, an assistant coach or a coach from the AHL or something coming up and giving them a shot instead of hearing the same recycled names over and over and over again. Why go with the old thing that you know is probably not going to work? Like give another guy a chance. So pretty happy for Spencer Carberry. He's going to get a pretty good shot here with the Capitals and we'll see how he does if he can get him back into the into the playoffs that's going to mostly come down to what the GM and everyone's going to do in the offseason they got a lot of question marks in the blue line and so on and so forth but uh, I mean it's Ovechkin right so you're going to want to try and put a competitive team on the ice and we'll see how the new coach goes I'm very happy to see a new coach so uh, now that we've talked about some new coaches, there's still some rumors floating around about a couple of old, old coaches that are possibly going to get hired here. Um, the big one is Peter Laviolette. Uh, it's almost seems set in stone that he is going to be the next uh, New York Rangers coach. Uh, as far as I can tell, it hasn't been announced yet, but they've been talking about it as if it's going to happen any day now for about almost two weeks now. So... I don't know what they're waiting for. I mean, Laviolette, he has been all over the place. I think at this point now, they said that he's coached every Metro team, or at least most of them. So, yeah, he's been around. Uh, I don't know, man. I I don't have much an opinion on Laviolette. He's just another guy that 
like I said, he just kind of pops around a lot. We'll see if a new face, well, not well, he's not new, but a new coach maybe can get a little bit more out of the Rangers. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Rangers have, I don't know, they're, they seem to be a little bit uh, teetering right now. It's like you, you're if you make the wrong move, then the Rangers could take a big step back, and they were... They were looking like they were possible Stanley Cup contenders, and now they're kind of balancing on a little bit of a weird spot. So we'll see if Peter Laviolette will be the, the coach that gets them to the to the top four, get them to a Stanley Cup final. We'll have to wait and see. Now, this is the interesting one. I'm a little bit, again, I'm not that surprised that his name is coming up, but Mike Babcock, his name's been floating around out there, kind of hovering around the Columbus Blue Jackets over the last little bit here, a couple weeks again. I mean, if he gets hired, he gets hired. He didn't do anything overly egregious. Like, he didn't attack people physically. He's He definitely did some mental damage. I mean, okay, no, Babcock kind of did some fucked up shit. No doubt, no doubt. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, man. If he comes back and he comes to Columbus, I think, yeah, he's definitely going to make an impact on Columbus the first year or so there. After that, we'll have to wait and see. I feel like Babcock might be another one of those coaches, especially in the modern NHL, a coach that doesn't have a very long expiration date because of how intense and and just on you that he can be and the mental gymnastics that this guy is playing. So if Babcock gets hired by Columbus, it's going to be really fucking interesting, right? So we'll see how that relationship goes between like a Patrick Laine and Goudreau with Babcock. I, I mean... For the sake of it being very interesting, I wouldn't hate to see it. But again, how many times do we have to keep recycling these old coaches? And, and Babcock, honestly, I've always thought of him to be a bit overrated. I know he won a Stanley Cup with the Ducks. And did he win? I don't know if he did actually win the Cup with uh, Detroit. I think I don't know if he was coach. But regardless, he had some pretty fucking good teams to work with. And I don't know, especially during that whole Leaf era where I got to see him up close and personal. Uh, it wasn't there for me, man. Honestly, I thought he did some good things. Like, I mean, he was kind of the Morgan Riley whisperer. He got the most out of Morgan Riley. He got the most out of Nazem Kadri. But when it comes to younger players and stuff, he's not that great. And with uh, more modern people, younger players, you know, he's kind of old school. So we'll see how it goes with Mike Babcock and the Columbus Blue Jackets. This dude's coming back in the NHL. It's going to be interesting. That is for sure. And when it comes to um, the Calgary Flames, so there is a coach out there that apparently has been rumored to be connected to the to the Flames, and that is Gerard Gallant. So the former Rangers coach, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. It's um, I just I just don't know. Like he's definitely a little bit more chill than Daryl Sutter, but I don't know by how much. And again, another coach that. Uh, over his last few teams there with Vegas and New York, the expiration date seems to be about two years with this guy. Now, sometimes people feel that his firings are a little unjust. Honestly, I thought he was fine in Vegas. I thought he was doing a good job, but this just Vegas. They're like, oh, new shiny toy, we're going to go get it. And it seems to be working out pretty good for them with uh, Cassidy. So, if Gallant goes to Calgary... I think he's a good coach for the most part. Uh, sometimes in the playoffs, especially 
uh, his last run here with the Rangers. He really just wasn't making the lineup changes. And he has a track record of not being the best with younger players. And it's kind of weird because it sounds like Calgary wants to start bringing up some of the younger players. So I don't know how well that's going to work. Maybe it's a short-term thing. I think he's a quality coach. And... I feel really strongly that Calgary is going to bounce back. So uh, if Gallant's behind the bench, I feel like their chances of bouncing back at least next season would be high. But after that, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Flames, if they hired Gallant, they have a really nice season and maybe some minor playoff success. But then the next year they fall off the cliff and then out Gallant goes and in comes another guy. Wouldn't be shocked if that's how that goes down. But uh, Gallant has been rumored around the Flames. So that has been interesting. Uh, we do have a, a little bit of GM news, more GM news. Uh, the Seattle Kraken extend, extend general manager Ron Francis. I believe it was a four-year deal, but I think, honestly, well-earned. I mean, a lot of people really rocky with Ron Francis at the beginning of his Kraken tenure with the draft. Uh, a lot of question marks around uh, the people that he did or didn't take. Guys like Carey Price and Tarasenko, but... Honestly, I think the Kraken, they, they did it different than Vegas, but I think it's worked out. Vegas kind of, you know, making big trades and, and doing things fast. Vegas, or, uh, Seattle kind of taking things a little bit slower, not taking the most appealing guys, but building a smart team a little bit slowly, going through the draft a little bit, making smart pickups and free agencies. So, and then, of course, the great... In, in like the the difference between season one and season two, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, increase from your first season to second season. So, a massive improvement over his first season. Good playoff run, very encouraging for the future of that team. And I feel good about Ron Francis getting that extension. So, well deserved for Ron Francis. Congratulations. Uh, we got some Canadian uh, at the. I think it's what the hell the World Championships or whatever. Honestly. I must say that they do a horrendous job at advertising this thing. Uh, not one time during any of the hockey games that I watched, any of my hours watching Sportsnet, not one single time did I see any advertising, no promotion to the World Championships. The first and only thing that I heard about it was that Milan Lucic was on the team. That's it. Other than that, I barely heard a damn thing about it. So again, horrible job at promoting this. I... Didn't know when any of the games were taking place. I didn't see any of them available. So, well done, NHL, on that. But Canada did allegedly win gold. Not like I would know because I wasn't, I couldn't see it anywhere. But Canada wins gold. So, congratulations on that. I mean, Milan Lucic was in there. He had a good time. His future is, is still up in the air, what he wants to do if he's going to continue playing hockey. It sounds like he really wants to keep playing hockey, which is completely fine, just as long as no one pays him $6 million per season. I'm looking at you, Cal... Well, I mean, Calgary didn't pay him, but they took him. So, I mean, Canada winning gold, that's, that's pretty cool, but the bigger news is Germany winning silver. Congratulations. But the biggest news is Latvia taking bronze, upsetting the United States. So... I mean, obviously disappointing for the United States, but push that aside. Congratulations to Latvia. This is huge for them. Huge win. Crowd was going nuts. I mean, the Latvian fans, they're huge fans of hockey. I believe that is their uh, national game. So, I mean, really cool. I'd like to see the little countries pull off the big underdog upset. And if it happens to the Americans, if it happened to the Canadians, so be it. But I'm just happy for Latvia and their fans. So, congratulations to them. Picking up the bronze medal, really cool. 
And I think it was, uh, the, what was the goalie's name on that team? Seeloffs, I believe. He had a really good showing. Uh, he is the prospect goaltender for the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, Vancouver Canuck fans uh, kind of getting a little bit excited about this guy, hoping that he will be the backup goaltender for the Canucks this year. He had a really good showing, so good for him. Speaking of good for him, we got a contract signing for Kyle Pozo signing a one-year deal worth $2.5 million with the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, he's the captain of the team, so it makes a lot of sense. Uh, finally, that big contract that he signed all those years ago that everyone thought was going to be bad uh, and was bad is finally over. Honestly, not all that much of his fault. He was dealing with some injuries and not on that good of a team, but I like Kyle Pozo quite a bit. I think he's a really fucking awesome guy so congratulations for him he's a uh, not the most impactful all the time on the score sheet but I still think he's a really important piece for the Buffalo Sabres I mean locker room guy obviously the captain and we got some news for Patrick Kane he's going to need hip surgery so uh, it sounds like he's going to be missing the beginning of the season and uh, with hip surgery again that's a very important part of the hockey player's body Uh, they use it quite a bit and um, not every player that um, has hip surgery or anything involving the hips always come back very you know very much so the same player not everyone's Brad Marchand and can have double hip surgery and just come back and be Brad Marchand for the most part but uh, already Patrick Kane you know people he's kind of been Declining a little bit on the point side. I mean, that goes with Chicago declining as a franchise. His points are going to go down too. But even this season, his impact on the Rangers wasn't exactly what people were wanting. And I feel like that mostly comes down to his downplay of his hips. His hips are hurt. And um, he definitely downplayed that so he can get on that Rangers team. But, I mean, you can't really blame him for that. They didn't have to pay all that much for him anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. But the future of Patrick Kane is definitely in question. I guess same with Jonathan Taves. I think more so Jonathan Taves. He sounds more inclined to be on the retiring side. Patrick Kane, I think, will come back. But the bigger question is going to be, like, what version of Patrick Kane are we going to see back in the NHL? I I feel like his big-time point-per-game situation probably done but who knows it's Patrick Kane right he's one of the he's a he's a really fucking awesome player right so who knows he can come back and just be dandy I just don't think he's going to be like that number one go-to guy anymore I think he's going to be similar to what he was with the Rangers someone that a big name that you can pick up at the trade deadline make your fans really happy and who knows what happens when he gets to wherever he ends up he could go back to Chicago not really sure why he would do that maybe just to see what this Connor Bedard kid is all about but I would see Patrick Kane more than likely going with a contending team which one we don't know just yet and it's going to be a while before we uh, well not necessarily you could get signed but we may not see Patrick Kane on the ice for a little bit and that also leads to a little bit of the talk of the upcoming uh what do you call it, free agency pool, uh, looking a little bit weak, obviously, is the word. We'll look more into that uh, later in the summer once a little bit more of the signings get get so on and done and, and all that stuff. But Patrick Kane is one of the bigger names uh, in the free agency market. And, I mean, obviously, Patrick Kane, big name, but as we discussed, not the same player really anymore. So, yeah, the free agency market upcoming is is a little bit weak. Uh, one of the weaker ones in a bit. Uh, you're going to have guys like Matt Dumba kind of on the higher end of the list. And there could be a big old bidding war for Matt Dumba. And a lot of people are speculating we're going to see a lot more trades this offseason because of the 
the lower end of the free agency market. And we're also more than likely going to see some really bad contracts signed. Um, I'm not, I don't have anything against Matt Dumba, but a really good chance that he gets signed to another contract that people aren't necessarily in love with because I mean the talk behind Dumba a lot of his stay with Minnesota was how overpaid he was but I don't know I, I feel like he's probably going to get overpaid again because I believe he's a right-handed shot defenseman going to be one of the better if not the best one on the free agency market so someone's going to overpay for him and that's just kind of how free agency goes so I mean, we'll we'll look more into the free agency market once we get a little bit more of a clear picture, see what other teams are going to do. Maybe after the draft, we can take a deeper dive into all that stuff. So a little bit messy, but we're going to kind of go back to a couple things that we talked about. So let's just quickly go back to the Calgary Flames, a little bit more news here. So I'm not a political guy, but as far as I know, the uh, politicking thing that's going on in Calgary with the new, you know, voting and all that shit is over, and the arena is incoming. So this is great news. Sadly, it's going to cost the taxpayers a lot of money and all that bullshit, but thankfully, apparently the arena is going to be built, and it's on its way, and finally, I mean, Flames fans have been begging for this for years and years and years been watching as Edmonton has this beautiful new arena built and everything coming up roses for Edmonton right over across the street basically and you know we got this dilapidated yet iconic building in the in the Seattle Dome or the the what is that what it's called whatever um they need a new building bad and thankfully hopefully I mean I'm not gonna say it's a hundred percent but it sounds pretty damn close they need that building and it's gonna be huge for the franchise gonna be you know, it may this may have had some of the reasoning. I mean, not only Daryl Sutter kind of scaring away people, but maybe the fact that they had this dilapidated building that could potentially fall on them at any day. Maybe that's a, a deterrent for players coming to Calgary. And if you get this nice brand new arena, going to be one of the newest ones, or I guess the newest one basically until Ottawa moves theirs, one of the newest arenas in the NHL, that's definitely going to attract some people, right? I mean, who doesn't like a nice new building? Fans are definitely going to appreciate it. You already got really strong fan base in Calgary. It'd be nice to see the Sea of Red in a building that I'm not concerned that people may die in, in a tragic death. So, very happy to see that they're finally going to be moving on from the Saddle Dome. Iconic arena. I've always loved the look at that thing, but, you know, with that kind of sloped-in roof, very cool, but it's time to move on and get a new arena. So, it's going to be really good. You know, it means that uh, more than likely you're going to get a draft in Calgary at some point, maybe an all-star game, outdoor game, maybe. I don't know about that one, but definitely when uh, new teams, when a team gets a new building, they're going to, you're going to get some stuff, you know, they're going to have some stuff for you, show off the new digs. So very cool for the Calgary Flames, they're going to get that done. So back now, I mean, I guess we didn't talk about Kyle Dubas. So let's talk about Kyle Dubas. So I'll quickly talk about the little bit of a controversy going on between Kyle Dubas and the agency that he's with. So they're investigating him because he has an agent um, that works for the same company that Austin Matthews' agent works for. It's not the same agent, but they're under the same building. So there's definitely a little bit of concern with that one. I don't think there's really anything shady going on right there. If there is, there is. Okay. But... I mean, uh, it's a different agent. Apparently, he doesn't have anything to do with hockey. He's mostly a golf agent. But, yeah, he's getting investigated for that. So, that's going on. As far as I know, it's still being investigated. Nothing has come out from that. So, 
Other than that, so Kyle Dubas, he gets hired by the Penguins, one of the worst-kept secrets in the NHL. I mean, uh, not overly surprising that he gets the the president role. I mean, does it really matter? I mean, he's basically president GM. Like, they'll hire a GM, but I think they, they brought in Kyle Dubas for his mind, and he's going to be... Probably kind of like the Brendan Shanahan of the Leafs. He's going to be the higher-up guy that the whatever GM they hire, if they don't, he, maybe he's going to be acting GM and president. Who knows? But I'm happy for Kyle Dubas, man. Like, I'm really sad to see him go, obviously. I like Kyle Dubas. I really, really did. Um, I wish I kind of wish he never said we can and we will because that's what he's always going to be remembered for more so than his gem finds. I mean, David Kampf and, and Michael Bunting and so on and so forth. So many good little gems that he did. I, I liked his little moves. I thought he was so good at finding value in the bottom part of the team. He worked so well around the immense amount of money that he was paying the core for and all that stuff. I thought he did things very, very well, and I think a lot of people around the league really liked what Kyle Dubas did, because, I mean, though they like to give shit to the Toronto Maple Leafs coaching staff, and anyone that's related to the Toronto Maple Leafs, they give them shit all year long, but the second they're not Toronto Maple Leaf uh, employees anymore, everybody wants them, and all everyone's fighting for them, oh, I want them so bad, and yeah, so I think Kyle Dubas definitely was a hot commodity, I didn't really hear of anybody else really pulling for him it seemed like Pittsburgh was going to do whatever it takes to get him in there he's there now and I'm happy for him I hope that everything goes well for him over there I thought he was a great guy I'm going to miss him he was I really liked him man I thought he was good he made mistakes just like any other GM but I think he did a lot more good than he did bad he gave us some of the the best regular seasons that we've had I mean though that kind of got old without the success in the playoffs pretty quickly but I mean I can't deny that he's put some of the best Leaf teams out there on the ice so that's definitely going to get missed so um, in terms of what he can bring to the Pittsburgh Penguins I mean he's definitely got a challenge here not necessarily all the way similar to what he had in Toronto but he's got some big time superstars an older core to work with here with Latang Malkin and Sidney Crosby and he's gonna need to get those guys back in the playoffs and he's gonna work his magic he's gonna try and find some value players that he can bring in for cheap and I mean maybe he's gonna be really excited to be in a new market that's I mean, Pittsburgh, it's not a small, quiet market, but it's definitely not a Canadian market. And not every single word that comes out of Leaf management or players, roster employees, anything doesn't get scrutinized and overanalyzed by hundreds of media members members in Toronto. So it's going to be good. I think it's going to be nice for Kyle Dubas. I hope he can find success there for the Penguins, but not too much success. Don't win cups over there, man. Like, I would be really sad if he goes and wins a cup like in his first year or two with the Penguins. I mean, that would be really cool, but also extremely sad. But I think Dubas, I think the Pens fans are going to like him. Um, But he's got some work to do for sure. He's definitely going to have some work to do. I hope they give him more freedom and... You know, he's still a young guy. He's not even 40 years old yet. This guy could be potentially a general manager in the league for the next 25, 30 years. Who knows, right? So he's got a lot to learn. He's already got a pretty good... Uh, resume, I would say, pretty good. And I think it's going to be really good for him in Pittsburgh. I'm happy for him again. And, um, you know, I will be watching with my side eye, making sure uh, we'll see if, um, who knows, maybe they bring in a Michael Bunting over to Pittsburgh somehow. How many former Toronto Maple Leafs are going to make it over to Pittsburgh? How many Greyhounds are going to make it over there to Pittsburgh? And 
What's he going to, I mean, he's got some fucking fun toys over there to play with. You got Sidney Crosby, man. Even though he's he's older, he's still Sidney fucking Crosby. He's still amazing. So he's going to have some fun over there. And I know people are scrutinizing him a little bit for saying, oh, I won't GM anywhere else other than Toronto. Well, technically, the man is uh, a keeper of his word. He's not technically a GM somewhere else. He's president. So again, he wins on that. He technically kept his promise for we can and we will. Uh, whether you like it or not. So congratulations to Dubas and the Penguins fans. If you're if Penguins fans are listening out there, let me know how do you feel about Kyle Dubas. Me as a Leaf fan, I was here for his whole tenure. I think you're going to be pretty happy with the guy. I think you're going to be more happy than the than the Ron Hextall and all the latest guys that you had. I think he's going to be pretty damn good. So good for Dubas. I'll be excited to see how he does. All right. So I think that's just about everything that we got for for big news here. So let's talk about. The third round of the playoffs, we'll go through that pretty quickly, and then we'll talk about the Stanley Cup Final, which starts tonight, baby! Alright, let's talk about Vegas and Dallas. A pretty interesting series, right? So, Ben getting the two-game suspension, a lot of talk behind that, how he kind of chicken-shitted his way... Uh, he didn't want to talk to the media after the game, he w- or he just wouldn't. And then the next day when he did talk to the media, you know, he wouldn't take responsibility for what he did. He literally said that, oh, I j-, it was like, you know, like a toddler trying to make up an excuse why he hit his sibling or something. Like, oh, I just fell into him or they walked into my hand and I just accidentally slapped him. And Jamie Ben's like, oh, well, I just kind of happened to land on his neck with my stick and stuff. Oh, whoopsie. So... You know, definitely didn't come off very good. Didn't come off like a captain of a of an NHL hockey team. And, I mean, Dallas fans, they still seem pretty happy with Jamie Benn. Coaching and everything, they all seem pretty happy with Jamie Benn. But I'm wondering if this is something they will look at over the offseason. And I know they're pretty damn committed to their players and Sagan and all that. But is it time maybe to move off of the captaincy for Jamie Benn? And maybe put it on somebody else. I mean, I think if Joe Pavelski was just a little bit younger and I felt like he... I mean, Joe Pavelski would be the best captain. Like, that's the guy that... Like, the the way that he talked about the Jamie Benn situation. Like, he was just way more mature, responsible, and a guy that... I feel like I would run into a burning house for that man. But Jamie Benn, though I like him a lot... I mean, if he does some really stupid shit and really doesn't, like, step up and, you know, take onus for it, it's a little hard to get behind that. And, you know, Jamie Benz had a track record of being a little bit shady on the ice and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it definitely didn't look good. And, uh, I mean, it looked worse when they got eliminated and they won the two games that he wasn't in and then they lose the game that he comes back in and they got fucking torched in that last game. So, we'll go through some of the games here. So... Game four, Dallas won in overtime. And, oh, I just have to say, like, what the hell? Like, Ric Flair making... Uh, I, I didn't know he was, like, in a Dallas area, but, man, I I walked by the television during the intermission. I saw Ric Flair. He rattled off about 48 woos in six seconds. It was impressive. That man has a motor. Uh, sadly, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of this game, which is a shame because it was allegedly a banger. But Pavelski, the fucking hero, he gets that OT winner, preventing the sweep and keeping the Dallas Stars in there, which is pretty dope. Game five was fucking awesome, man. I got to watch that one. Uh, that was a good game because that was uh, whenever Vegas Vegas got on the board and Dallas would come right back with the answer. And Robertson continued to play really good. I mean... 
Uh, thankfully, I mean, good for him that he popped off uh, during the series because if he didn't, I mean, there would be a lot, a lot of talk around Jason Robertson. Oh, is he a playoff guy? Can he perform? Yada, yada. If he didn't perform in this series, but he did. I, th- I believe he scored in every single game in that series, and he definitely... Uh, change the narrative, which could have been, I wouldn't say a dark one, but there definitely would have been a little bit of heat on Robertson if he continued to not produce in this series as well. I feel like now that he put up a bunch of goals, uh, it's definitely more on Jamie Benn and possibly Tyler Sagan because the guys make the most money on the team. And I mean, Sagan was good at points, but uh, a little too invisible at other points for the amount of, uh, excuse me, money that he makes. You get some star or uh, maybe not so uh, people that you thought was going to come out and save the day, but Ty Delandria comes out uh, with two big goals in that game and, and gets the Dallas Stars to uh, to another game and avoiding elimination. Uh, Max Domi made a really crucial saving of a goal. It was trickling by Ottinger and he cleared it from the line. Definitely was the TSN turning point during that game and of course Ty Ty Delandria with two of his three goals in the whole entire playoffs in that game and that's just what happens in the playoffs man like your unsung heroes a guy that you wouldn't expect to come up clutch comes up clutch and you gotta like that stuff it's really cool and Jay Gottinger playing pretty good during those two victories as well that was another big sticking point for this series was kind of the inconsistencies of Jake Ottinger so we'll go on to uh, game six the final game in the series don't worry I'll talk about Vegas we're just focusing on Dallas at the moment so they get absolutely fucking pummeled in that game they lost six nothing really didn't bring it at all during that game man like it was it was ugly, and Jamie Ben comes back into the lineup, doesn't provide fucking dick, honestly. I think he got, like, a hit or two and maybe a shot completely ineffective out there along with pretty much everybody else on the ice. It was, it was rough. So, I mean, Jake Ottinger definitely didn't have the series or even the playoff run that people were hoping for, and if you were honestly hoping and expecting Jake Ottinger to put up the numbers that he did last season, I think you're on... You're on a little bit of some something, and I want some, but I feel like the talk around Jake Ottinger is, like, too intense. Like, they're like, oh, this guy is the game breaker. He's one of the best goalies ever, or he's a complete bum. Now, I feel like the truth is somewhere in the middle. Do I think Jake Ottinger is a career 950 save percentage in the playoffs? No. I mean, who the fuck is? But... Do I feel like he can do better than an 890-something, which he put up in this playoff run? Absolutely. I think Jake Ottinger, he seems like the guy that's going to take this as a flame. It's probably going to motivate him to come back better than ever next season. Or it could very well go the other way, and he can completely fall apart. But with the way that Jake Ottinger is so far, I mean, honestly, the track record isn't that big. So I'm not ex- I don't have, like... Uh, the crazy high expectations that some people have on this guy goaltenders are extremely hard to predict one year they're a game breaker the next year they're out of the fucking league so but I think Jake Ottinger is going to be a dandy goaltender I I don't think he's going to be in and around that 950 but I think he's going to bounce back very strong next season and I think the Dallas Stars are as well they still have that really strong core they might lose a couple guys here and there they have some money to play with but not a whole lot. So I think Dallas is still going to be in the mix for quite a few seasons, man, with the way that they built up that team. Jason Robertson on a fantastic deal. Rupe Heinz, who had a fantastic playoffs, though he cooled down towards the end. He's still, without Rupe Heinz, they wouldn't have even made it past the first or second rounds more than likely. So, I mean, Rupe Heinz, fantastic deal. Ottinger still got a really good deal. So 
Dallas is still in pretty damn good shape, though they've been, um, you know, even though they missed the playoffs, I think it was last year they missed the playoffs, they're generally a pretty, once they're in the playoffs, they're pretty hard to stop. So I feel like they're going to have good bounce back. Who knows, man? They, they, they're so close to a cup. They're kind of in the same boat that Carolina is over there in the East. Like Carolina, they get in there. They always do damage, but there's never fucking quite enough to get to the Stanley Cup final, right? So we'll see what's going on with Dallas. I still feel pretty good about that team. Uh, they just got they just got completely outplayed by Vegas. So let's talk about Vegas, man. So they, they put us through a little bit of a scare, you know, going down to Dallas a couple games in a row. But, you know, honestly, we weren't too worried. There was a little bit of question marks around Aiden Hill. Like, are they going to pull that guy out? And they didn't. And I think that was by far the, uh, the right move to make. Uh, nothing against Jonathan Quick or anything, but Aiden Hill has been fantastic, making ridiculous saves, man. Like so many ridiculous saves, been so good. And especially in um, was it Game Five at the start of the third, he does let in a stinker shortly after that ten bell save that he made. But uh, you know it happens. It's it wasn't a good goal, and that's kind of where the question marks around Aiden Hill came out. But. He gets the shutout in fucking game six. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. And the team of Vegas, man, like, so good. I mean, what can you say about Jack Eichel? A lot of, I mean, Consmythe talk right now. You got the the battle of Bobrovsky versus Matty Kachuk. Who would win it there? I personally am a little bit more on the Bobrovsky side. Uh, not taking away anything that Matty Kachuk did. But you can't really deny Jack Eichel as well. The guy has been dynamite. He's been so effective, so smart, so intelligent, so good. Just very fucking great performance out of this guy. He's definitely in my Consmythe contention. I can't say who's going to win it yet. Got to watch the finals. The finals definitely hold a bit more weight when it comes to the voting of the Consmythe. But I ain't going to be forgetting about the performances that Bobrovsky did against the Leafs, what he did against the Carolina Hurricanes. And, I mean, he wasn't great against Boston, but he got him through there. So, Bobrovsky's been amazing. Kachuk getting the three overtime goals, uh, overtime winners for them in the third round. I mean, you can't deny that's freaking incredible. But Jack Eichel and the team, man. I mean, Barbashev's been unreal. The Misfits. I love the Misfits so much, man. Marcia So, Carlson's been incredible. Riley Smith has been getting it done. I mean, fuck yeah. And Aiden Hill, man. Not even, what, the third, maybe fourth choice in, in net for the Vegas Golden Knights. They've been in this boat before. Their first season, they went through like five goaltenders and just kept winning. So, I love the Aiden Hill story. The some of the trades that Vegas has made over the years, the the Chandler Stevenson edition, uh, trading a fifth rounder, I think it was, to bring him in, a fourth rounder for Aiden Hill. There's been some really fucking good moves made by the Vegas Knights, Golden Knights, and people are still talking about the the Buffalo trade uh, with. Uh, Jack Eichel, and honestly, I don't think there's a clear cut winner. I think both teams win, which is rare. Not often do you get. Kind of both teams getting what they want out of this. I mean, you get the emergence of Tage Thompson over there. You get a hometown boy in Alex Tuck, who I think should be captain of the Buffalo Sabres. That guy's fucking amazing. I love him. But not only does Buffalo win, and, you know, it looked a little bit shaky for Eichel at the beginning because, you know, he just came off of this big neck surgery. And, yeah, it was going to take him a minute. But look at him now. Like, he had a great season this year. He's just playing so good in the playoffs for them right now and I couldn't be happier for the guy like I'm so happy because he went through so much animosity like 
just because you know he's he's not McDavid his relationship right off of the gate with Buffalo was shaky with him and management and the fans like how would you like I feel bad for him like you just right out of the gate you don't feel wanted you're like oh I guess I get this fucking guy I don't I didn't get what I want but and Jack Eichel is you know kind of shoving it up up their hoop the dude's got a set of nuts on him he he demanded that he, he was gonna get the surgery that he wanted he stuck with it he got it and there he goes so I mean the story of Jack Eichel so fucking cool really enjoy that so I'm happy to see that he's going there in the Stanley Cup final I especially love the fact that we're going to have a new Stanley Cup champion Panthers have never won a cup before and Vegas has not won a cup before both have made it to the Stanley Cup finals once in their history neither have won so someone's going home with a cup uh, personally, honestly, uh, it's almost a pick'em for me. But I'm such a fan of Matty Kachuk, man, and I think, I think if he wins it, it this could be pretty seismic, potentially seismic for the NHL. Uh, meaning that, I mean, we've seen uh, Matty Kachuk. He, he went on TNT this uh, just past week on there with Shaq and Kenny Smith and all the guys and he fit in he seemed like a good fun personality on TV everything was going well you got the Miami Heat getting into the NBA finals like fucking everything's coming up Florida right now pretty dope and I mean the guy has a personality it's uh, he's he's not your typical NHL player who just says what everyone else says like he will speak his mind he will say things he does the walk-off celebration this guy's got a personality and it's getting displayed it's getting people talking and I like this this is awesome I've always wanted the NHL to get out of that you know the repeat answers you already like before they even the question is is asked you already know what the answer is going to be all pucks in deep stuff like that I mean it's boring I don't watch I'm not interested but if Maddie Kachuk and Florida, and like, ugh, who knows, man, this could potentially be in a breaking out party for the personality of the NHL players to finally come out and not be scrutinized by the media, because that's the big problem. Players have personalities, we're just not, they're not going to show it to us, because why would they, when if you, if they show off their personality, it gets picked apart by, by people that don't really know who they are and shit, so, I don't know, man, I just want people to have fun, make the game fun, have a good time, and I thought he was really entertaining on TNT. So I, I'm, I'm siding a little bit with Florida, but not by much, man. I'm just, I'm going to be happy either way. I think this is just kind of a, I'm happy, man. I just, I like a new champion. I'm, I have, I have players on both teams that I'm a big fan of. I think it's a good story for both teams. I mean, Vegas, they're so new still. This is only their sixth season in the NHL, second Stanley Cup appearance already. And then Florida, a team that, you know, has has definitely gone through it over over their entire existence. I mean, they had that really awesome Stanley Cup run. It ended with them getting absolutely destroyed by Detroit. But and then after that, it's just kind of been they haven't had much success. They got through their the first time they got through the first round since 1996 happened last season. And yeah, there hasn't been uh, the fans. Their fan attendance hasn't been the highest in the league very often. And this is definitely going to help them. They can keep this up. They win a Stanley Cup. 
definitely going to help uh, the popularity of the Florida Panthers and all that stuff. So, honestly, I'm happy either way that wins. It's just give me a good series, man. Like, I really don't want to see it go down in, like, four or five games. Really don't want that. I would love seven. I would love for it to be competitive, hate-filled series. There's definitely been some concern with uh, the Stanley Cup Finals schedule because uh, there's a lot of off days in between the games. You got two days off between... Most of the games, and I feel particularly targeted because um, if it was just a normal schedule, the game would fall on a Wednesday, and that's my off day. And of course, they're like, no, we'll just skip Wednesday because fuck me in particular. We're going to have it on Thursday, a day that I work. So that's just great. So, I mean, I'm not into it. I don't like the fact that the Stanley Cup Finals potentially could take like two weeks to get through. I mean... I don't think the players are that into it. I think players want to play, and they want to get it done, and they want to fucking move on. But NHL being the NHL, they're going to take their fucking sweep time with it, and they're going to drag it all out. So, I mean, I can understand people that are like, well, let's just you know have this done over so we don't have to wait fucking two weeks to get through this and find out who's going to be the champion. I want a good series, though. If it happens to be a four-game sweep, then make it a sweep like Carolina's was where, like, it was very close. Every game was one goal, potentially overtime in most of the games. And tonight is definitely going to be a very interesting game. I feel quite strongly that Vegas is more than likely going to get the win here. They got home ice, and they had some time off, but Florida's had a ton of time off, right? So uh, a lot of people kind of speculating. is like, well, is the re- is the over long rest good or bad for the Florida Panthers? I think at this point it was is potentially a little bit too long. Yes, some guys that are bumped up and bruised are going to heal up, but you're definitely going to lose that momentum. You're going to lose a little bit of that 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 adrenaline from from winning, right? And waiting around so long and maybe some thoughts get in your head, maybe a little doubt gets in there with all the extra time, or maybe you're just team building and just getting that confidence level to a whole new level right so gonna be interesting this game for sure I feel you know Vegas definitely has it in their favor to win this game they're a little bit more uh, hockey ready they, they had games uh, they still had their days off but again they're a little bit more ready coming off of a big win so it's gonna be really important for Vegas to get the win here on home ice I mean if Florida comes out and spanks them on on the road, it's going to be tough for Vegas, but I mean, Vegas is one of the most resilient teams in the league. No lead is ever safe when you're playing the Vegas Golden Knights, so I'm expecting a really good series. I hope it gets physical, but not like stupid physical where they're not even playing hockey anymore, which was kind of happening with Dallas and, and Vegas a little bit there where they're just trying to hurt each other and not play hockey for a little bit, which again, a little too far, but I definitely want the heat to be on. Walk a Chuck fucking chirping people. I want Bennett to maybe tone back the scumbagness a little bit. He's definitely been crossing the line and getting away with it a little bit. So I'd, I'd like that to be toned back a little bit there. And I didn't, I saw that there was an article about Patrick Hornquist. I don't know if he's going to be back for this series, but I would love that, man. I fucking love Patrick Hornquist. Would love for that, to, for that guy to get in for at, at least a game. Like, let's just say they go up 3 nothing, get Patrick Hornquist in there for a game in the Stanley Cup final. I'd be really happy for that guy. Even though he's won his cups. I believe he's won his cups. But... I like that guy a lot, and uh, I think he's really awesome. So it'd be really cool to see who's going to be in there. In terms of Vegas, I mean, uh, 
They got a really good fucking team, man. Like, from top to bottom, that fourth line with Colasar and them, like, they've been going, Amadio, and then that third line that I believe has William Carlson on it, dangerous as fuck, Chandler Stevenson, dangerous, Eichel line, very dangerous, man, and as long, if you can get those, the, all the misfits going at the same time, they've kind of been, like, you know, Marcheseau's hot, and Riley Smith's low cold, and then Riley Smith's hot, Marcheseau's low quiet, but William Carlson's been consistently amazing defensively, so, and then Petriangelo, their back end is really strong, and then you got Aiden Hill, a little bit of the wild card, I mean, obviously, he's not your high-tier elite goaltender, but he's playing like it for the most part, so big boy, competitive, having fun out there, he doesn't seem to be shook by all the pressure of playing in the Stanley Cup, seems to be just enjoying himself, so that's, that's a very good sign, and then with Florida, of course, you got Bobrovsky. He's just playing arguably his best hockey in a, in a very long time. Might be some of the best hockey he's ever played. Can he keep it up? Can he keep it up? Well, we'll have to just wait and see if he can keep that up. If he loses any more weight, he's going to turn into a toothpick. Because apparently that guy loses like 20 pounds playing a hockey game. I wish I can, I wish I can do that. But um, it's going to be a fun series, man. I'm very excited. I can't wait for the game to start tonight and, and just see how it goes down. Because the first game, I feel, is going to be very, very important to gauge where Florida's at, where Vegas is at. Like, who's got more momentum right now? I feel like Vegas has got to have it. This could be a slap-in-the-face wake-up game for Florida. Could could potentially be an ugly game for Florida. We don't, I don't know yet. That, that could, it could potentially be like a 5-1. Who knows? And then Florida wakes up and they come back and win the next two. So we'll see. It's going to be a very, very interesting series. I hope it goes like six or seven, but... Again, wouldn't be shocked if it was a sweep because that's just kind of how it goes. Guys are pretty tired, beaten up from all those previous rounds. I mean, uh, Dallas definitely took a little bite out of Vegas in that series for sure. But everyone's looking pretty healthy, looking pretty good, geared up for this final. I think it's going to be dope. Let me know what you guys think. I believe that is everything that I would like to talk about. Let's just take another look here. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and we finally get to uh, squash this fucking argument. Both teams, both teams had players with a $10 million or more cap hit on their team. So we're going to have, for the first time ever, a Stanley Cup champion team with a player that makes $10 million or more. So the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to win Stanley Cups now. Hooray! Well, not technically, because, I mean, Vegas has two. Florida has one with Eichel. Florida two with Barkov and Bobrovsky. And the Leafs, we got three. So, oh, that's going to be it. Now it's like, oh, oh, well, you can win with one or two, but not three. So Toronto's fucked. Anyway, it'll be nice to see people maybe stop talking about that for once because, I mean, fuck. It's only a matter of time before some $10 million player wins. And if it's going to be Bobrovsky, Barkov, or Eichel, I'm down with it. So let me know what you think. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup? Will it be Vegas or will it be the Florida Panthers? I mean, it would be pretty pretty sweet to see, I mean, all the rats raining down in Florida. Regardless, it's going to be a fucking awesome after party. Rather, you're partying in Vegas or you're partying, partying it up in Florida. I mean, Jesus. So good luck to both of them. Let's just play some good fucking hockey and referees relax okay all right everybody it is the weekend go out there enjoy yourself have some fun but not too much fun you know what i'm saying it's hot stay hydrated be safe and all that good stuff enjoy the hockey tonight we'll be back again on what's today saturday so sunday we're going to be doing the wrestlecast on sunday my apologies for a little bit of a shake up this week i'm still just kind of 
Got a gut punch from that weekend of, of three pay-per-views. I saw it definitely rattled my schedule and, and put me a little bit behind, but we're catching up, so everything's going to settle out. We're at the Gamer Cast, more than likely on Monday, might be Tuesday, just so I can spread the love out. Hockey Cast should be on Wednesday again, and yeah, everything will be back to normal. WrestleCast will be on Sunday tomorrow. And yeah, so thank you everybody so much for listening. If you want some more content, you can go check out the YouTube channel, GamerGX Videos, where I'm playing Resident Evil 8 Village. Go over there, let me know what you think and all that great stuff. We'll be back again soon. And go hockey, because I don't really know. I don't. I want both teams to win. Yeah.